Hey, this is Pastor Keith with Epic Life Church. And if you're tuning into this podcast, I hope it's something that will encourage you. And maybe you can listen to it a couple times and as you're reading the scripture as well and come out with something new and maybe something to think about all day or talk with a friend and maybe use in a house church community or maybe on, on a, a chat across the, uh, the internet in this time that we're separated. Enjoy. Hey guys, it's good to see you this morning. I am Keith. I get to be the pastor at Epic Life Church, and today we're sitting outside in Licton Springs Park. Ta-da! Is the Easter service, Easter Sunday morning sermon, and I kind of thought we should do this outside. It's a beautiful day, and why not? Why don't we we uh, preach outside? So I'm actually going to speak sitting down, which is not like me at all, because I really like to wander back and forth, and uh, so this whole video box has been a bit difficult on me, but it's working out well. So this morning... For Easter Sunday morning, isn't it amazing we still go to church on Easter? Like like the the nation, the, the world still attends church on Easter Sunday. It's pretty ridiculous. And I think there's a reason for that. We still in the back of our minds know that this resurrection thing is one big deal. I mean, a huge deal. And so I'm going to read three uh, verses, one in, in Colossians this morning and one in the book of Peter, and uh, and actually two in Peter, and kind of blend those together and help us understand a little more about the Easter story here in Licton Springs Park. So uh, I'd love it if you join me in prayer. So Father, you're so good, and I praise you that we can celebrate Easter. We can be together as a church family, even across the internet. And uh, I pray, Lord, for our, our church. I pray for the health of people around us and in our neighborhood, and ask that you would give us opportunity to uh, be gracious and kind and generous in all manners, that we would have enough resources to bless those in need, that we would, as the church especially be able to take care of the people in need in our own church and then reach out into our neighborhood as well presenting the gospel of Jesus and loving others and loving God and so thank you Lord for this morning Easter Sunday morning that we get to celebrate the risen Savior it's so beautiful Lord and it's it's something that the world is celebrating and knows even in different religions they know that Easter Sunday is such an important day and even though we can't gather together I really think this is the first and probably the last Easter Sunday morning uh, that we are not able to gather together and we'll always remember this. This is the day when most people go to church. This is the day when churches work on their, their worship and their stage show for the packed out audience where people invite their, their neighbors and their families and the, the moms and the grandparents and the dads and the, the brothers and sisters and boys and girls and neighbors all join together to come together inside of a, a building, a space someplace and worship together the resurrected Jesus. And we're not, we don't get to do that right now. So Lord, in our, in our moment of, of physical separation, I pray that there would be one amazing spiritual connection happening this morning all over North Seattle, throughout Epic Life Church and all over North Seattle and all over this world. You are so, so good, Lord. And thank you for giving us this opportunity to share your word here in Licton Springs Park. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm sure that we're going to have a few people walk across behind me and we already did with some bicycles and they didn't quite know what to do. So it's kind of cool. We're out, out in the open here. 
Um, when I'm writing a sermon down, I, I, there's a there's a little section that I put in um, on my paper. It's called it's called the pocket, and I call it a sermon pocket. And in there is a couple of notes, kind of kind of announcements, but things that have to do with ministry and what we do as Epic Life Church, and and that are important to our church. And so there's a couple of things that are very important this morning, and those are our uh, two missionary. Uh, there's there's three missionaries that we support around the world. Uh, people who are in uh, places who are serving serving God where where they're at. And so one is is Ani, and she's in a um, a closed country that. Uh, we don't want to talk too much about where she's at, but she is uh, back in America now. She's in quarantine so she can see her family and just pray for her and lift her up, not knowing what her future is. Also, our our friends um, from China have been, uh, they, they went out of the country to get new visas, new passports, and were denied access back into the country. Their computers were hacked, and a lot of their team that were there have been uh, kicked out of the country. And so we're praying for them. Right now, they're in a different country in that part of the world, not knowing what is going to happen. Their stuff is still in China. They are in this this place of uh, isolation because of the virus and also not knowing what the future holds for them. So pray for them as well. And then also for Ricardo and Mary Esther down in southern Peru. Uh, you, you think it's isolation is hard in America? When I've been listening to them being isolated in Peru uh, in their homes and Mary Esther is way north in Lima and Ricardo is in Chala, which is about 12, 15 hours south of Lima. And uh, they have no income right now because the school uh, that we've been supporting and helping is closed down. And so there's no income coming in. And so, and then they're separated and cannot leave their houses to get reunited. Uh, they, they actually have no money, uh, no way to make money, no way to get out of the house uh, and, and to make an income. So as a church, we're going to send them a few dollars as much as we can. And if you want to be part of that, please let me know. So those are the three. And in all of that, it's a... It's, it's hard for these these people who are serving the Lord overseas and for thousands of missionaries around the world are kind of in the same boat, wondering what the next step is after this virus. So that's in my pocket there. Um, you know, I was talking to Hector this today and we're just realizing that it's impossible for us to pull off something incredibly fancy with video and the, the media we have here is what we do at Epic Life. And we've always kind of celebrated our slight awkwardness, uh, not necessarily being a, a show for a Sunday morning, but really connecting with each other. And I, so I, I just pray that these Sunday morning messages are are something that's connecting with you. I don't know how it connects, to tell you the truth. I'm looking into a camera eyeball and trying to connect with you, Epic Life Church who we usually get to see on a Sunday morning. We get to hug, shake hands, uh, and and embrace in the name of Christ and and talk. And, and we don't get to do that right now. And it's, it's pretty difficult. I don't get to look into your eyes and see the way you're responding and, and preach and organize and maybe shift the message because of the way people are responding. We don't get to respond at the end of the sermon either with music uh, and, and have a moment where we're, we're he we've heard what the Spirit has said to us and we are responding to that. And so this morning, uh, happy Easter. I pray that at the end of this, you'll take a moment to respond to it.
the message this morning is is uh, from Colossians. Uh, old and old, he is old. He's 84, I believe. Uh, a mentor of mine told me once, Keith, if you're looking for uh, God to speak, look at where you're at. And what he meant by that, and I've said this to us at Epic Life often, but if we're in the Word and we're studying the Word and we're looking for God to speak, that we can expect him to speak where we're at. So I've been studying through the book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians. And in Colossians, I'm reading this. Now, he, Jesus, was reconciled to you, has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. So now he, God, God, has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. The death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, <clears throat> he has brought you into his own presence. So God has brought you into his own presence because of Christ's death in his physical body. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. We just pause there and realize how remarkable that is. That as Christians, I'm speaking to Christians right now, people who know Christ as Savior. And if you know Christ as Savior this morning, this is going to make sense to you. Don't worry about it. Uh, if, if you don't know Christ this morning, uh, this might not make any sense to you. But as a Christian, you are holy and you're blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. How do you stand before him without a single fault? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. He died for your sins, breaking the bond of sin, breaking the guilt and the blame that we have. So remarkably, we get to stand before him without a single fault or blemish. Pretty amazing. And so, so we head over to First Peter, and First Peter chapter one is is pretty amazing. It says it says this. So all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And and Peter brings together what Paul was saying in Colossians that we get to stand before him without a single fault, without blame or a single fault. So all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. We do. As Christians, we live with a great expectation. Um... And this expectant hope that we have for eternity. So you see that Paul is talking about the death of Christ, and we can stand before God because of Christ's death, death, and now we get to live in great expectation because of Christ's resurrection. And so on, on uh, 1 Peter 1, 3, and then verse 8, though you do not see him now, you do trust him. Though you do not see him, you trust him. You rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. And that inexpressible joy is what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. A, a joy that is incomprehensible is something that we can't put words to. You ever have times in your life where you, it's so amazing and so wonderful that there's no words for it. You wish you had the vocabulary to express or, or um, share what you've experienced. I felt that way, uh, like sit, standing on the side of the Grand Canyon and looking at the vast, enormous, enormous Grand Canyon. Or when I was in Tibet, standing on the mountain and looking into the Himalayas and looking beyond way in the mountain range after mountain range after mountain range and realizing the vast 
um, magnificent of this and not even having the words to be able to present and speak that that majesty incredible and so here here Peter is saying listen church and this is written probably uh, a 60 AD like six zero so maybe 25 years after Jesus died and rose again 25 years Peter is writing to the church and he's writing to the church all over Asia and to all these churches to the people of the churches all over Asia as they're gathering and they're part of uh, the community of Christ he is now writing to these churches and they're passing this letter from one church to the, to the other and he says though many of you um, do not see him now and never have seen him and perhaps uh, he, so he was probably writing to to Greeks uh, Gentiles who were not Jewish, who weren't in Jerusalem at the time of the crucifixion. And so he was saying, even though you do not see him now, you trust in him. How? Why? What is this? You rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. That glorious, inexpressible joy is the result of Easter. Easter is a new, glorious, and inexpressible inexpressible joy. The result of Easter is an inexpressible joy. There's no words to exp explain this joy. In fact, it doesn't make any human sense to tell you the truth. We have this, this joy that resonates inside of us, that sit. This is joy that Christians have been known for having joy even in the hardest problems that they're going through. Christians have been known for having joy in, in prosperity and wealth, but also in great poverty. Christians have this inexpressible joy within them inside of persecution, inside of not having enough, inside of illness, inside of the sickness, inside of death itself. Looking through the lens of death, we still have an inexpressible joy. Do you have that inexpressible joy? If you know Christ this morning, you have that. You have the power of the Holy Spirit and the, the knowledge of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to give you an inexpressible joy. And if you don't have that this morning, I just want to encourage you. You're missing out. What if we're not in a story, in a, in a life that just ends in death? What if there's more? What if this story that we're living is uh is just the the beginning of of our book what if it's the first chapter or what if it's the first paragraph of the first chapter what if the story we're living here on earth these 60 70 80 years that we have to live less or more what if this is just the first word of the first paragraph of that first chapter of our story what if it's the first letter that that first touch of the pen of our story what if there's more? I just want to say, men and women, when we know the inexpressible joy of Easter, we know that there is absolutely more. Even on Easter, people still go to church. People still know there's something here. Hey, the news is in. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, the news is in is that, is that we're, we're all going to die. Yeah, 100% of us. Actually, it's one for one. There, you know, one, one human life uh, will equal one human death. Uh, we can, we can um, prolong our lives a little bit, but 100% of the time we're going to die. Psalm 89, 48 says, No one can live forever. All will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. Everybody has known this from the very beginning. 
you, we are going to die. My dad would say, hey, at some point we're going to kick the bucket. Might as well make the bucket shiny. I don't even know what that meant. Well, at some point we're all going to die. That's, that's it. 100% of the time we are going to die. But life, life that we live right here is really the promise, uh, an inexpressible joy is the promise we have from Easter. Easter gives us this life. And life, um, a real abundant life, comes through repentance and believing that Jesus rose from the dead. But what if this is only the beginning of our story? Like Lazarus, Lazarus looked at the tomb and that, uh, we talked about Lazarus last week and he looked at the tomb, he got sick and he went uh, laid in his bed. It was sick with a fever. His his sisters called Jesus to his side to heal him because they knew he could heal him. Uh, they've seen Jesus heal people. They knew that Jesus could heal their brother Lazarus. But Lazarus would die. They would send a message to, to uh, Jesus and Jesus would say, this illness, this death doesn't end in death. This illness doesn't end in death. And although Lazarus did die, Jesus was talking about something much greater. Jesus would arrive on scene and he would raise Lazarus from the dead and he would say, Lazarus, come out. This word that means exit. Exit from what was, exit from death and come into life. Come from what was and into what is. And Lazarus would come out of the grave. This, this Lazarus who was, who was confirmed to be dead wrapped in linen people who who knew when a person was dead and their their breath expired out of them for the very last time not just swoon not just passed out but dead he was confirmed it, um, it was a it was a verified death an actual death and Jesus would then raise Lazarus back to life of course of course Lazarus would die at some point again Poor guy had to live through two deaths. But even that, I think Jesus was pointing to something much greater. He was pointing to, towards his own death and his own resurrection. And as he told Lazarus's sister, this illness does not end in death. He's telling all of us, this, this, this life does not end in death. It is but a blip on the scene of eternity. And it would point forward, Lazarus's death and resurrection would point forward to Jesus. Jesus's verified death. Jesus, of course, went to the cross, not by force. Nobody made him go. And in fact, it was pretty obvious that no one could make him go. Several times when people attempted to stone him or attempted to flog him or attempted to kill him, he would walk through the crowd unseen and unknown and would disappear and and be away. So people attempted, but they couldn't because the time wasn't right. And when the time was right, Jesus willfully gave his life for us. He would step into this. And Jesus was full stop physically dead. Physically dead. Death. It was verified. It was confirmed. It was double checked. It was sealed and it was settled. Confirmed. Think about this. The soldiers at the at the crucifixion were professional executioners. These guys knew what they were doing and they put people to, to death for, for a living. That's what they did. 
And so here they are. There's no way we could we could assume that Jesus swooned on the cross or pretended to be dead or fainted on the cross. These were professional executioners. They were responsible for his death and probably could be penalized if he wasn't dead when they were finished with him. Not only that, they probably took a lot of pleasure in killing people. And so they did this with Jesus. His his death was confirmed and, and it was confirmed with a with a spear through his heart. We would know now, looking at the biblical text, we would know now that that water and that blood that came out of Jesus' side when the when the soldier put the spear up through his his chest and into his heart, it would break the um, the the sack around the heart that would break open and the spear would go into his heart, making sure that Jesus was dead. Confirmed death and sealed and settled Later on, Jesus would be taken to the tomb. He'd be wrapped in cloth, uh, uh, soaked in about 75 pounds of, of uh, spices, and he would be wrapped tight in this cloth, um, secured to kind of mummify him for a little while to keep the smell down in the death, and then carried to a tomb, wrapped so he couldn't walk. His feet were bound, his hands were bound, his, his head was bound, laid in the tomb with um, on a slab of stone in a cold tomb with a heavy stone rolled over the front of it. The Pharisees were so scared that somebody was going to come and, and break him out that they, they asked Pilate to send a squadron of, of soldiers to guard it. And, and in that, uh, Pilate put his seal on the tomb. That seal, that ring, that, that seal was probably a, a string around the big stone that had a that had a um, like a, a seal, a stamp there in, in wax on both sides with his ring. And if that stone was rolled or moved in any way, that, that seal would be broken and there'd be a lot, of, uh, a lot of people in trouble. And so the guards were there and to seal the tomb actually meant that it was a verified as well. That they went inside the tomb and verified that yes, indeed the man is in here, laying here and he is dead and there's bloody everything he is here he is dead he is finished it is finished seal the tomb stand guard and wait no one was looking for a resurrection that day no one it didn't happen resurrections didn't happen they aren't something that was commonplace right they didn't happen and they won't ever happen again no one looked for a resurrection it just doesn't happen the romans killed him the people mocked him Pilate washed his hands and shrugged it off mary wept and the soldiers guarded it and the men sealed the tomb the disciples ran and hid and the women wondered what was going on the pharisees conspired and the people were confused and the world stood by and angels leaned in what was about to happen and for three long Days, hours passed, and people hid, and the resurrection was just around the corner. Remember what I said about the resurrection? It brings an inexpressible joy. That inexpressible joy would not be available to us if Jesus did not come back from the tomb. You see, he had to come back from the tomb. Otherwise, we would have nothing to worship. We would be worshiping a dead guy. And I, for one, I'm not going to worship a dead guy who said that he would come back from the grave. I can, I can uh, praise somebody 
give somebody a, a legacy praise or a memorial, someone who said great things in life but then died, I can absolutely quote that person and, and give respect to that person. But somebody who in their life said that they would come back from the dead, that they would conquer death and conquer sin and come back from the dead, if he didn't come back from the dead, we wouldn't be worshiping anything. I would be looking for something else, to tell you the truth. But Jesus did come back from the grave. And this is verified. Those of you who are perhaps still skeptical, there is so much evidence, extra biblical evidence, that Jesus came back from the dead. The words in Matthew and Luke and in John is he is risen is this word. It's, it's he is risen. We use three words for it, but it's actually one word in Greek. And it's this expression, this exclamation, I, uh, this, this risen, awake, he's come back. This one word exclamation of inexpressible joy that this actually happened. What he said has happened. And Josephus and, and Pliny and Tacitus and, and others have written about this. These are not Christians who, who didn't like Christianity. They wrote about it in their historical writings about the Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Christus that came back from the dead and people worship. And in that worship, they committed to one another to be good to be kind, to be generous, to, to be pure, to be uh, hopeful. And they have this inexpressible joy, that inexpressible joy of people of God. A living Jesus brings fear to man. Think about this. This is real. A living Jesus brings fear to man. A dead Jesus, there's no fear. There's no surprise, there's no awe, there's no amazing. But a living Jesus, there is an amazing. And there's life change. And there's something new, the Spirit of God, that would de descend on people and change everything. He has risen. He's awakened. He rose. And this physical, he has risen. He is not here. Again, this isn't just some kind of memory. Or maybe his spirit rose or... It's a good legacy, a good man with good thoughts, and we should, we should celebrate his life and follow him as a good teacher like Gandhi or a good teacher like G.K. Chesterton or, I don't know, you name the good teacher. He was much more. He was really physically resurrected and then ascended to God. John, John chapter 11 uh, when Jesus is talking to Mary and Martha. John chapter 11, verse 25. says, I am the resurrection and the life. This is Jesus speaking. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die for eternity. Easter is the heartbeat of an inexpressible joy. And I hope, I hope you have that. As a Christian, do you have an inexpressible joy? This communion with the Spirit of God that, that gives you something greater? Something beyond just the ordinary day-by-day -day worry and anxiety? This inexpressible joy and eternal hope that we have is based on something. Based on an actual historical fact. This happened.
perhaps this morning you haven't actually given your life to Christ at all. And you've been skeptical at best, skeptical about Jesus. And even more, you don't even know if there is a God. I want to ex just encourage you to step into and, and, and figure it out for yourself. Look at the evidence of a risen Savior. There's more evidence for a risen Savior than often we have for other things in history. Even for like the Civil War or, or George Washington and his presence. There's, there's so much um, physical history about Jesus and his walk and the resurrection. There's enough to have a, a serious understanding and, and then a serious contemplation of what are we supposed to do with this risen Savior. And so you can do two things. You can deny it or you can receive the inexpressible joy that he gives. My prayer is that you'll receive this inexpressible joy and then live in it. And even in this time of COVID-19 virus and when we're isolated and not able to get out and be around our community as much, we still have an inexpressible joy linked together by the bonds of the Holy Spirit and the bonds of that joy. Connect together and be the church continually, even in this time of isolation.